You're listening to Doctrine and Duty, podcast of Brian Ray, Senior Pastor of Alexander Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, where biblical theology meets everyday Christian life. Greetings, beloved, once again in the matchless name of King Jesus. It is great to be with you again. I want to welcome you to another episode of Doctrine and Duty, a podcast ministry of Alexander Baptist Church, as you probably just heard. My name is Brian Ray, and it is great to be back with you working through a series on the doctrine of church unity, uh, biblically and practically, how the church needs to maintain biblical unity. Um, And of course, this combats uh, division, obviously, disunity, obviously, dysfunction, um, uh, party alignment, if you would, uh, partiality, favoritism, all of these are temptations and struggles for the local church and and for individuals as well. Um, and so church unity, biblical and practical church unity, uh, will help combat these things, these errors, and more. Um, so uh, without any further ado, I will jump in, and I have three passages for you today, and they are in uh, chronological order of the New Testament. We've got Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. And so we're just going to pick out one verse from each of those texts and uh, share with you uh, a little bit more about church unity from Paul's writing. So in Galatians 3, verse 28, a very, very common passage of Scripture to argue for other things. Uh, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Um, This passage of Scripture has been taken out of context and used to uh, support... um, the feminist movement and and other such things, uh, but this this passage of scripture is actually about uh, it's a positional stance, if you would. It is about your position in Christ and your standing before God. And uh, so clearly, it says there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male and female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. So as we stand before God spiritually, um, there is no positional difference between a Jew or a Greek. Um, in Christ. So if you're saved and you're Jewish, or if you're saved and you're Greek, you're the same in Christ. Positionally, there's no difference. If you're a slave or free, if you are literally held captive, or, or let's just take it a different from a different angle, something we might understand today, if you're free or if you're in prison, if you're imprisoned, um, positionally before Christ, uh, you are equal. You are the same. There is an equality before God. Uh, next, there is no male and female. So before God, spiritually and positionally, we are exactly the same. If you are saved and you are a female, you are no more saved than a male. If you are saved and you're a male, you are not more saved than a female. Uh, so it says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So there's a great amount of unity uh, that is promoted and supported with this passage of Scripture um, as far as our position, our standing before a holy God and our standing in Christ. So positionally, those who are believers who are in Christ, there's no difference. We are co-equal, we are co-heirs before God, the Father, before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and and of course by the power uh, of the Holy Spirit of God. So positionally, again, there's no difference. and And that's really cool. Now, remember, I did not say functionally. I did not say practically, because if you think about it practically, if someone is in prison, then their life is probably going to be a lot different from someone who is free. Uh, Someone who is male, their life 
his life is going to be absolutely going to be much different from someone who is a female. <laughs> so functionally and practically, great differences. Roles and responsibilities in the home and the church, great difference. And yet, the standing and the position before God, before Christ, in Christ, uh, there is absolutely no difference. It says there um, that you are all one in Christ Jesus. I, I love, I love the fact that as a pastor who has uh, been to college, got an undergraduate degree, got a master's degree, got a doctorate degree, um, as a, a pastor of a church, been a senior pastor going uh, approaching thirty years, getting closer and closer to that as a senior pastor who. Uh, also facilitates and is a professor at Liberty University Online. In the midst of all of those credentials, if if you got saved yesterday, I am no more saved than you are. You are no less saved than I am. Your standing before God in Christ is the same as mine. Folks, <laughs> that just makes me want to shout. I mean, hallelujah. What a, what a blessing it is that we are co-equal before God. And so it says, you are all one in Christ Jesus. We're, we're the same. My wife and I, uh, our standing before God, we're the same. Now, our roles and responsibilities are different. Our functions are different. We look different. We smell different. We act different. Our choices we make are different. We speak differently. And, and on and on the list goes, but before Christ, our standing is the same. And so it says, you are all one in Christ Jesus. What a picture of unity. Uh, okay. So next, we're going to jump over, literally, not literally, but we're going to turn over a few pages in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 14. It says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And, and we could read on by abolishing the law of commandments. But it says, He himself is our peace. Now, I was trying to just think a little bit prior to this about um, what doctrine we have there. And there's a lot. I mean, we could say substitution, uh, substitutionary death of Christ, because He Himself is our peace. Because we were at enmity with God, hostility, rebels, uh, at odds, at war with God, and then Christ is our peace. So He substituted His peace for our alienation and our hostility. But He Himself is our peace, and He has made us both one. Um, Jew and Gentile, male and female, and whatever other distinctions, uh, divisions are out there. Uh, to separate, we are all united now in one. He has made us both one because he is our peace, and he has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So um, if you just need a practical illustration, you look up, holy God, you look down, sinful man, and there is this barrier, this chasm, this gulf. There is this separating wall between holy God and sinful man. Christ is the infinite and ultimate God-man who destroyed that middle wall of separation. Christ is the one who bridged the expanse, the gulf, the chasm between God and man. And, and because of Christ, man uh, is, those who are redeemed have been saved by the blood of Jesus. And, and now there is an, an access, there is an ability to approach a holy God. Um, as the author of Hebrews encourages us to come before God with boldness and courage because of what Christ has done. So he himself is our peace who has made us both one. You and I could not be united were it not for the peace of God, the peace that comes through Christ. If you think about it, we are different people. Uh, we sometimes don't like people. We sometimes don't don't play nice. Uh, we sometimes want our own way. We sometimes are selfish. We sometimes want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, why we want to do it, how we want to do it. And yet, we understand that in Christ now, He Himself 
is our peace, and he has broken down the middle wall of separation. So now, even though we are very different in, in the midst of all of our idiosyncrasies and all the things that, that separate us, we are united and we are one in the things of God. And, and, it's, and as we consider that doctrine, we move on uh, from that to duty uh, in this podcast. And, and, it, and it, really, it really plays out in such a practical way in the local church. You, you, you've seen, I've seen, I've heard of churches who have fought over petty things. And, and then when there were huge doctrinal things, they didn't care. Um, churches have split and divided over minimal, minuscule uh, things, very petty things. And then churches have remained together when uh, false doctrine was promoted or when immorality was allowed to run free. And, and so practically speaking, uh, the, the, the duty part of this is that as we are united in Christ, we stand strong in, in the doctrines of our faith and on the Word of God and the morality that the Bible espouses and the ethics that we are supposed to have. And, and we stand on the Word of God and we stand in Christ alone. And, and that those things unite us. But, but all the other practical things, oh my gracious, just, just genuine love for our brothers and sisters in Christ, just uh, an attitude, a heart of servanthood. Uh, when someone kind of approaches us, just being nice and kind to people. And so this doctrine of unity, it, it spells out in a practical way. When the church is united, there's great joy, there's freedom, there's harmony. There's so many things that result from the church being united and, and living out the doctrine of being as one, one in Christ. All right, we're going to travel over to the next book in the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, to the book of Philippians, chapter 1 and verse 27. It says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. When I think about the Apostle Paul and how he's writing to these churches and writing to the church at Philippi uh, in, in this context, in this Bible uh, passage, in this book of the Bible, um, I can't imagine just what he's going through as he's been there uh, ministering, as he's writing to them in his absence, and and he's giving them these nuggets. He's giving them these sermons. He's giving them these challenges, these exhortations. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Wow, I don't, I don't, I don't know if we really camped out on that verse enough in our lives. Let your manner of life, let your choices, let your speech, let your motivations, let your heart. I mean, like right now, my heart is heavy, my eyes are watering. I am totally convicted of some areas in my life. Let your manner be worthy of the gospel of Christ. We as the people of God, have got some work to do. Because we have bad attitudes from time to time. We have we say things we shouldn't. We don't say things we should. We don't live up to the gospel as we should. And so, what a challenge. And then Paul says why? He says, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you. You see, we have a testimony. And so many times we're worried about not saying or doing anything in public because it'll ruin our testimony. What about in our homes? What about in our church? Why doesn't the gospel restrain me and you from saying hurtful things to people in our own home? Why doesn't the gospel have such a hold on us that that someone would would lash out at a fellow believer in a church that that would not be prevented? 
I think this is where Paul is coming from. Whether I see or am absent, that I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We might not agree on so many things, but if we agree on the great doctrines of our faith and, and on the gospel, then we must joyfully get along and go along in gospel proclamation. And when we don't, that's that when we are divided in these things, that's when the gospel doesn't go forth freely. He says, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind in chapter 2. And we'll, we'll get to that uh, passage uh, in a few weeks. But then I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. May, may the Lord line us up side by side, joyfully, spiritually, practically, doctrinally, dutifully. And may we be a people who live our lives in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Do me a favor. Think about something you've said lately that was wrong, that was hurtful, whether it's to your, your spouse or your kid or your parent. Think about it and make it right. Uh, make it right with the Lord first, then go to that person and just share, you know, I was listening to this podcast and the Holy Spirit convicted me of, uh, of not living a life worthy the manner of the gospel of Christ. And I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. Father in heaven, would you grant great repentance and forgiveness for your people? And may doctrine and duty influence us in such a way that the gospel is proclaimed and we live lives worthy in the manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, folks. Hope to see you. Hope to see you. Hope you see me. Hope you hear me next time. God bless you. Take care. You've been listening to Doctrine and Duty, a podcast of Alexander Baptist Church, located at 4316 Pamela Court, Chesapeake, Virginia. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. and find us online at abch.org.